Supply and demand. This is uh this is our last episode before spring break. No, is it? Yes. Yeah. It's basically Possibly. our last episode before spring break. Um, Unless we like do another one at some point. Yeah. For spring break. Once again, talking about the logistics of the podcast during right the podcast. About this time. <laughs> Welcome to episode seven. I'm Nate. I'm Alden. I'm Greg. I'm Steven. And I'm Mike. <coughs> Am I always weird. on the end of that? Yes. I I think like often, that. often <laughs> you cool. are. Often you are. Yeah. Mike's the anchor. Maybe I'll do something yeah. different every time. Again, so, talking about logistics, but... Yeah, yeah we, we'll we, are, we are approaching our last week of school before spring break. We will somehow still get you an episode next week while we're off uh, enjoying the sun, but... It might be a phone conversation. <laughs> yeah, could, we'll figure it. We still don't know what that um, strategy is, but... <laughs> we'll make it... Call. We can make it a YouTube video of, like, a FaceTime video. Yeah. <laughs> Us all distantly communicating with each other. Yeah. Anyway. This was a whirlwind of a week, man. There's just so much going on. They, like, just, like, I don't know, people just love to throw a lot at you. Before you don't have anything to do. For school, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. This upcoming life week. in general. Like, yeah. It's a busy week. This upcoming week is going to be a whirlwind for me. Yeah. But, I mean... I just realized I had a lot more to do this week than I th- originally thought. Yeah. So, that's fun. Yeah. That's rough. I don't yeah. think I have too much, but, you know, I do have a test on Wednesday, so... I have two midterms. Yeah. I mean, even, like, I don't know. There's a lot going on in the news. I think the world just knows. The, the world, world knows. knows. Spring break. Yeah, spring, spring break. break for UMass. We have to make it as... <laughs> yeah, UMass Amherst spring break is pretty much a worldwide um, catalyst yeah. of, of events. Mike, there's one uh, one event in particular in the news that you were looking at, right? Yeah, this is... Uh, so a lot of fourth floor people kind of chirped me out because... Uh, not you guys. You guys are great. But um, shout out you. to the fourth floor, kind of. Uh, but they like, they're like, Mike, you only know things about Italy. What's wrong with you? Why do you only know things about Italy? I said, admittedly, you know, this was a stupid thing to say, but I said that the Irish weren't known for their drinking, and actually it's, like, a huge part of, like, Irish culture. So that was my bad. Thank you. They got me there. Um, I should know that because my family's Irish, too. And I did kind of know that, so I don't know why. Okay. When did you say that? It was just, like, a conversation I had with someone on the fourth floor. Oh. Yeah, and they were like, you don't know anything about anything except Italy. And I was like, oh, maybe so, but I do know a lot about Italy. So what's going on in Italy is uh, there's an election today, and they basically don't know what's going to happen. There are a lot of different candidates and a lot of different parties, and uh, the way that, like, European governments work is they kind of get together to form governments after representatives have already been elected. So they'll try to form a government by making alliances and, like, coalitions and stuff. Mm. But the, um, like, Italian political climate is so divisive right now that they think that unless there's some serious compromising, it's going to be a really fractured government. So much so that they may have to do another election. Or, and I just learned you can do this, president can form his own government, but they're not allowed to have any sort of interaction with, uh, like, the European Union or anything like that. That. So if the president forms his own uh, government, it'll basically have to be like an Italian version of Brexit? Um, no. It'll be ineffective on the continental scale 
until they form an elected government. I don't know why that is. Interesting. Just something I read in an article like right before this. What about like on the international scale, like outside of Europe? I don't know. It seems that it seems like yeah, like they're not allowed huh. to um, like negotiate internationally until they form a legitimate, like democratically elected government. It's a really this thing doesn't like happen all the time. So I think it would be like a really like emergency sort of situation. Right. So hmm. thoughts uh, thoughts are with Italy today. We'll see what's going to happen. Um, is so is the root problem that there's too many like different parties that are trying to get in on it or um yeah you say it's going to be like a, it's going to be too divided yeah so like election wise that's the problem there are a lot of different parties that represent like similar ideas mm-hmm. um, but differ in kind of confusing ways like for example a lot of them are anti-immigration but some of them are also anti-EU while some of them aren't so okay. uh, there's some some pretty intense differences there but I mean the uh, the at the heart of Italian politics right now as with most of Europe is the problem of like migrants uh, just mm-hmm. an influx of migrants that's um, overwhelming the country's economy and um, just generally is causing this like population explosion and a lot of racist sentiment against it um, Immigrants have always kind of been a scapegoat for a lot of things, but I think in some ways it's it's become uh, true just because there are just so many um, that, and a lot of them aren't even staying in Italy, but it, it's really sort of punishing in these European countries because they have to deal with so much of... Like, there the are a lot of it. immigrants going into Europe right now. Yeah. Especially from Middle East. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think Europe is kind of going through an, an identity crisis yeah, right now. For sure, for sure. You could say the same about the United States, too, I think. Yeah, so this will be a big yeah. test to see, like... I mean, Italy's a pretty huge player in the EU, so depending on how this goes, it could be another Brexit, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think you said that. I think, all of a sudden, this is going to be very dedicated to politics because I just had a couple of thoughts run through my, my brain. First of all, one of the things that I have heard to be true... Um, like uh, from from news or from from school or whatever is that a lot of the reason for pushback on immigration is because of economic distress in certain countries. Mm-hmm. Just looked up the Italian unemployment rate; it's eleven point two percent. Yep, yep. That's like pretty high. Um, in in Greece, it's twenty one percent. Really? In Spain, I don't know where it went, but Spain Spain is seventeen percent. France is almost 10%. To, uh, by comparison, the United States unemployment rate is, as of August 2017 was 4.4%, which is really low. Mm. Um, so it's interesting. First of all, it's interesting because places, so Greece, the 21% unemployment rate, that's like around the same as it was in the Great Depression in the United States. Like that's an insanely high unemployment rate. That's like... Yeah. One, two, three, four. Oh, there's six. There's five of us, right? One, so two. one of us doesn't have so a job. So that's one of us doesn't have a job. And, like, compounded over an entire population, that's, an, that's like, a huge amount of people yeah, who are out of work. Definitely. Um, so when it spiked, like, right after, like, they started getting immigrants, or? I don't know. That's, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, too yeah, much like about it. Yeah, recently how, how that's changed. <coughs> well, I don't know, yeah. because they ha- they've been dealing with, um, like serious, like a serious debt crisis for like a long time. Greece, now. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, Greece has a lot of money issues. Right. But Spain is similar because Spain is at seventeen percent, which is also very high. Mm. And yeah. um, there's like this whole movement by K- 
Catalonia. Is that what it's called? Catalonia? Yeah. That wants to, like, yeah. break off from Spain um, mm-hmm. and, like, basically be its own nation. It's really fallen out of the news. I haven't heard, like, anything about that lately. Yeah. yeah what even know. happens to that? No one really knows. We um, Madrid intervened and right, didn't yeah, yeah. refuse to recognize their vote, which yeah. was kind of shifty anyways because not like it wasn't fully representative. Of yeah, I think like everyone. some very small minority of the population showed up to the vote. Yeah. So like it was technically like a win, but it, like it was like something like it was like I, yeah. I it was like ninety percent. It was like it was a very it was like ninety one percent of people that voted voted yeah. no voted no. Of the people who voted, but of the people who voted, it was only like forty-one percent of the, the population. Like, yeah. So it's like there was a very small amount of there was a very small proportion of the population of Spain, or of Catalonia voting, and like because it was like a very like kind of radical like right. vote. So I feel like so, I think the general thought was that if people like, people who didn't want it to happen like didn't even accept the election as like legitimate in the first place, it wouldn't have shown. We're less likely to have shown up. There's also probably a fear of the people who were in support of a Catalonian exit from Spain, that they would become violent towards people who didn't vote for it, and so they were afraid to go to the polls because of that reason. Mm. Mm. A lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. I just want to say, and this could be a whole topic in and of itself, but there's so much stuff in the news these days. Everything (laughs) is so accelerated and so, like, um, sensationalized that... Nobody like remembers anything like right after like so many things happen and like people make a big deal of it. Yeah. But then like they only make a big deal of it for a day and then it's on to the next thing and mm-hmm. the news cycle is so short now that it's like, Oh yeah, that was kinda interesting or that was it's still going on. It was like, last semester, like it it's not it hasn't gone away. Yeah. It's just yeah. there's obvious like I'm sure if you like went to Catalonia there'd be like protests all the time. Right. Stuff like that. It's, it's really just interesting. The news. The news and and right now the Italy thing is probably like getting a little spike of attention. Yeah. I'm sure a yeah. couple weeks from now, like, the situation will still be going on in Italy. But like, who remembers the, who remembers the Greece debt crisis? Like, yeah. no one, right. no one thinks about the Greece. Like, someone was like, um, was like, oh, I'm going to Greece, and I was like, jokingly, I was like, oh, like, how do you feel about like their, like, economic system? And I, like, it was like a dumb, it was like, obviously like a dumb, stupid joke. Like, no one laughed at. It. I didn't even laugh at. It. I didn't think. It was <laughs> but like, <laughs> like I thought about. it, I was like, damn. Like, no one. No one thinks about this stuff anymore. Another interesting, another interesting thing that I thought about was that the U.S. with like the alt right movement has like gone through a really big identity crisis, also with like anti immigration. Um, but it's weird because there really hasn't been recently. There hasn't been that much economic distress. We're like, we're in the. I think it's. By the end of this month, if we haven't gotten into a, into a recession, we'll be in the second longest growth period of our economy in the, in the history of our economy since it's been measured, which is back from the, back into like the 1850s. So like we were on this huge rise, mm-hmm. unemployment rate 4.4 percent is really low. Um, so it's interesting that the economic stability of the U.S is like the uh, has the opposite effect it seems like in the US than it does in Europe because in Europe when there's bad economics and anti-immigration sentiment goes up in the US when there's good economics the anti-immigration system or anti-immigration sentiment has gone up also but maybe that has to do with the recession 2008 which really wasn't that long ago it was only 10 years ago yeah I, I might say that even if our like economy was going down there would still be that same sentiment here yeah i think so too 
It's just weird to think about, like... We don't have it as nearly as bad as what's going on. Like yeah, we don't. Our, our economy is pretty good right our now. Our economy is insanely good right now. Yeah. But, see, I'm not, I don't know a lot about economics, but, like, who is that thanks to anything in particular, or is it just that we've just had enough time and, like, that's how the economic cycle that's works? How it, like, that's how it works. We've been on that trend going upward for a while yeah. now. Probably so is like, it since 2008? Probably... Since the end of the recession, which yeah, is, like, in 2000... Yeah. So I got you in, like, beginning of 2010 is when it started to yeah. increase. Right. Um, it's interesting because there's this thing in economics called the business cycle. And, like, if you look at graphs of GDP... So basically GDP is a, is a measure of, um, of income slash wealth of a nation. There's, like, a lot of... There's, like, a lot of debate on whether or not GDP is actually a good measure of... Of um, of well being of a country, but like, because it doesn't take into account population, right? It does, because they have GDP per, per capita too. Like that's oh, pretty yeah. big. Um, but like that's a whole different topic about like GDP being good a good measure of well being or not. But um, so essentially GDP, if it's a, re- a recession is like measured by G- like GDP decreasing for more than um, a quarter, I think, which is like four months, or maybe it's two months. I forget what it is. But um, I forget where I was going here. Oh, but so the business cycle, like, there's basically, like, these things called peaks and troughs. So a peak is, like, after the economy has grown, like, by, like, at the most it's going to grow at that point, and then it goes back down. It usually doesn't go back down that far. But, like, once it goes back down, that's called a recession. And there's always recessions. Like, obviously we're in a growth period right now, but, like, at some point, our growth period is going to end. There's going to be another recession. Probably not as big as the one in 2008 because, like, history tends to repeat itself unless, like, we learn from the from the past and, like, figure out how to fix things. But um, there's going to be another recession. So that's just kind of off topic, but not really. Yeah, and then we'll get mad again and, like, blame somebody. Mm. Probably, like, the president, whoever it is at the time. Everyone blames the president. <coughs> Yeah, which is interesting because the president really doesn't have much to do with the um, the, economy. the economy. Unless actually, thinking about it now, trade. this whole this whole trade thing right yeah. now. I don't know if you guys are following this, but Trump is signing all these um, all these trade tariffs on uh, steel and aluminum, which is weird because as a Republican, the Republican Party is generally the party of free trade, because um, like basically the idea is like. The less restrictions you have on trade, the better the economy is going to run because you have, like, it's, anyway, it's just, like, the more the more taxes you have, like, the more dead weight loss occurs because, like, there's all these, because you have taxes, people aren't buying and selling um, as much as they would be. Um, so it's, so it's, like, Trump is basically doing the opposite of what his party is suggesting that he does. So it's weird. But he's also on, like... He's also unlike most of other Republicans. So we're gonna say. Well, he's also doing kind of like what, the other part of what he said he would do because it's all like America first, and he's right. saying like, then by adding those tariffs, it's incentivizing people to buy more things like in America, like f- made in America, so that it's better for like the U.S. economy. Is what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Which is not necessarily true, actually, because like, if. So when you tax things, that increases the price of those things. So if you tax steel, then, like, it's going to increase the price of steel um, in the U.S. 
and steel is... But it just means it increases the price of steel sourced from outside the U.S. Right, true. So he's trying to incentivize people to buy it from people in the U.S. Right. But then, like, that also, because there's not, like, an infinite supply of steel in the U.S., Yeah. that's going to, like, increase the price of steel regardless, and... It's supposed to be good for, it, it might be good for, like, American businesses, but then at some point, like, um, like, steel has to be used to make cars, electronics, a ton of, ton of things, so, like, the price of basically everything else is going to go up along with that, most likely. It's interestingly connected to, like, the UMass design building is all structurally made out of wood instead of steel. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, like, why it's, like, so revolutionary. It's, like, one of the few buildings that has been done like that. And so they're ch- that's, like, kind of against that whole thing of being so reliant on steel. It's they're trying to make other methods for, like, building buildings. And yeah. so we wouldn't be so... Re- we may not be so reliant on steel in the future. True. Make buildings out of things that grow and then regrow. That'd be sick. Such as trees. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, well, like it, why aren't... I mean, obviously, what is... Yeah. What building is it? Is it that one? Is it, yeah. It's... <laughs> For those of you who can't see it, we can it's over there. It like <laughs> one window to another. I was like, what? I was like watching the building as Alden was telling me. What? That. Wait, what you is it? A it's the brown. The building. design building. It's the design yeah. building. Yeah, that's cool. The well-designed design building. It also has like fifty percent less emissions than a building of its size. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. See, something like that. It's like I don't see any. That's like seems like a totally good. It's just bad for. It's a great design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad for business. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it can be. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've... It's all, It's just more expensive to make. To make for a them. one? Probably. Yeah. yeah to definitely. make something that's so environmentally friendly. Right. But oh, so necessary. Costs the taxpayers well, more. Costs yeah. students more. Interesting. Whatever. Very interesting. You no. gotta pay more for the good things. Exactly. It really no, is. True. 205 at Chipotle for that guacamole. <laughs> I thought it was 260. Absolutely. Is it 260? I think it's 260. No. What? <laughs> yeah. Whereas we get guac for free at UMass. I know. That's true. Not quite as good. Yeah, yeah it's not, it's not as good. It's not are as good. taxing the guacamole? No, they're just using the guacamole to st- steal money from Didn't we, we were avocados steal They are expensive. Was it a serious question? Avocados are expensive. <laughs> Me and Nate talked about this in line. It was like, we were in line, we were like, man, it's so ridiculous. Wait, was that us? It was my... Yeah, no, yeah. It was, wait, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, we were like, it was man, me and you. it's so ridiculous that you have to pay more for guacamole. And then Nate was like, man, well, you know... They know we'll pay for it. Yeah. Like, regardless, because we, we just we want it. And me and Mike, so and me and Mike man. both got guacamole on our. Yeah. In our <laughs> we, <freedom>. did. <laughs> we did. After we, we went on this rant, we were like, like we're not paying for that. And I was like, whatever. Like, I'll just get a water cup. Instead. That's Apple's <laughs> whole business strategy. Yeah. They know Apple that we'll pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So like everyone. Supply and demand. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if that actually relates. It actually has <laughs> a lot. It only does. It always does. Of course it does. Um, that's the thing. Oh wait, yeah, never mind. That, that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> there's demand for guacamole. There really is. Yeah, there's like a different. Speak, Greg. There's these. Sorry. <laughs> there's this thing in economics called elasticity. So basically, like the um, let me get this. Make sure I say this right. Um, the more the more inelastic uh, your demand is, the higher you demand it. So like, for instance, what's <laughs> <laughs> What's really inelastic? What? Give me a definition of elasticity of demand. Um, For the listeners who don't know. It's yeah. basically how much 
you're willing to pay for a good or service at a s- so like okay. how yeah so, so like, would you say yeah. the guacamole is very is inelastic? Yeah. Elastic? Let's stick with guacamole. So as like an if guac okay, was we'll like five guac. dollars, that would be people wouldn't buy it at that point. So right, like, people. Kinda. Yeah, but so it depends because elasticity is different for each person. So like, say no, Mike, true. say Mike can't live without guacamole, Which but Stephen Stephen doesn't really care. So like Mike that's goes and true. Mike goes and gets a bowl, and he's like, guacamole. He sees the guacamole is at five dollars, and he's like, you know what? I hate to do this, but <laughs> I can't live without guacamole. So Mike will buy the guacamole. Stephen, would you call that inelastic? That's very inelastic. Yeah. Mike has a very high, very low elasticity of demand. So very yeah. high inelasticity yeah. of demand. Okay. Um, Jesus, Stephen, Mike. It's the truth. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen will go up to Chipotle. He'll say, they'll be like, "Do you want guac?" He'll like look up at the menu, see five dollars, and he'll be like, "Have a heart attack." And just <laughs> like, absolutely I'll, not. Like, I'll survive idiot. without guacamole. Yeah, yeah. Mike, or Stephen will be like. I like guacamole, but it's it's like not worth five dollars to me, on top of the like eight dollars I already spent on this bowl. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So then Stephen won't get it. So that's elasticity, basically. Um, this is unrelated, but I usually just try to keep my meal under ten dollars. So like if I get the chicken burrito at seven fifty, it's like whatever I'll put the guac. Yeah, you mean sure. like chain rent at chain places or like, like anywhere? Like at a restaurant? That's you keep obviously it under $10? not feasible at every restaurant. Well, if like, you go to a really nice restaurant, just okay, like I'm willing to like, I'm willing to make sacrifices You're here and there. Like, but like at a re- yeah. like at a Chipotle style restaurant, it's like what's under ten dollars? Yeah. Regardless, this is really interesting. Thing, really, yeah. like you can only get like the stock item. Yeah, this is interesting, bringing it back to the steel in the U.S. Yeah. If we're bringing things back, if we're like, if the goal is to bring production back into the U.S., right? That's yeah. what we're basically saying, like, oh, we'll, like, use more U.S.-made steel. Yeah. It, so this is, if I understand correctly, okay. basically the, the situation is how elastic are people's demand for American-made goods? Because if everything goes up, right, so if every iPhone and every computer chip is made with American steel, then we can say proudly, and I don't know, I mean, there's some amount of pride that yeah. feels good to say, hey, this is made in America, like, we made this. Inevitably, the prices are also going to rise because it's going to become more expensive to not ship everything overseas. And you can make the argument that that's the rightful thing to do, to not outsource everything and, you know, stand on our own two Wait, you're feet. you're saying it's more expensive? Yeah, wouldn't it be? If you're... If For you're getting... us to use our own steel... If which is gonna has a finite quantity. Well, there's a finite quantity anywhere. Right, but there's, but there's once you once you restrict the amount of steel you can use just to the United States, then it's a huge decrease in the amount of steel that you're yeah. that's available to you. Yeah, if you think of the world stockpile of resources, compared it's to way to bigger than the regardless. States. Even if they're not talking about steel, it costs more to make things in the U.S. So basically, it comes event like if you won't really want. Things that are made in the U.S. and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want to. I kind of want. That's a, it. Feels good to be like, yeah, we're making our own things again. Basically, how elastic are people's demand for American-made goods? Because right. people say, all right, my phone is fifty dollars more expensive, but like, I really want. Like, I want to be able to say it's made in America. I don't think people have that though. That's like, exactly. I definitely don't. So people, that's what I'm saying. So people might be like, yeah, let's make things, let's make American-made goods, let's get guacamole, my burrito, but then when reality hits and they have to pay more for that right. because that's just the way it is. Are people really going to put in the if, extra $50? Well, going if, back to our first, our very, very first thing, we were talking about Italy and Greece, it seems like the, the thing is more, like, people don't care where it's from, they just, they want the jobs. They want those American jobs. The people are always saying, like, uh, the huge that's true. political message is let's bring work back here for the sake of jobs, not necessarily 
for the goods. For the sake of saying it's American-made. Yeah. Well, that's what people oh, say. Yeah, that's true. But that's not necessarily what people believe. So, here's a here's a cool a cool phenomenon. If you like ask people in the United States, like if they if they think government should cut um, should cut their spending, like probably like nine out of ten people will say yes. But then like what like once you actually ask them like what programs they need to cut, they'd be like oh should you cut like Medicaid? They'd be like absolutely not. Should you cut defense spending? Like maybe yes. a little bit, but not that much. But then you're like. Like every basically, once you start to ask people if they should cut these programs, they're like no. So it's like this. They, it sounds good to say I'm like fiscally conservative. I'm fi- I want to be fiscally fiscally responsible, but like, like when it actually comes down to it, it's hard to. Like, it's hard to justify making sacrifices, just so that you can have that, fiscal responsibility. And that's another thing. Um, People say we want American jobs, but like at a certain point, people aren't gonna really want American jobs. Like if if their toilet paper costs like five dollars a roll, then they're gonna be like, I don't really care. Like if so many Americans have jobs, I want my toilet paper to be like back to what it used to be. So that's just a, a thought. Mm-hmm. I think that really ties in like the whole idea where like people will say in general they like an idea or they think we should all, you know be more, like, environmental, but then, like, when it comes down to the actual things, they won't actually, you know, buy the weirder-looking car, like a Prius, just to not have as many emissions. Yeah, but the more expensive car, maybe. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Are more expensive. But unless it's, like, forced on them by the government. So they kind of yeah. want it to be forced on themselves because they don't want to actually make the decision themselves mm-hmm. because it puts them at a disadvantage to, compared to everybody else. Yeah, right. Whereas if it's forced on everybody, then you don't feel that you're put at a disadvantage. One might. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's mind has been blown. just blew my mind. Well done. We did it. We figured it out. All right. People are selfish and don't want to look stupid. You can stop the podcast. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs> no, that's... Uh, did you have any comments, Stephen, or is that just your mind got blown? I'm still... You, you go. I got to think about this. <laughs> I think to put it in poli-sci terms, you call that a collective action problem where everyone has the incentive to, or it's in, it's for the common good, it's for everyone's benefit if someone does something, but no individual has the incentive. The free riding? Yeah, so basically the free rider problem where, like, yeah, everyone would be like, yeah, like, it'd be good if we all, like, we're more environmentally friendly, but one person isn't going to see the impact of their own, like, decision or like decision to be environmentally friendly and they can survive without being environmentally friendly and there's still other people doing it that's a big problem with people people only think about things that have consequence to them they don't they don't have any concept of long-term repercussions yeah we're back to the millennials topic (laughs) (laughs) well anyway those goddamn basically that's this is basically the the point of having government and it's really the reason that to (laughs) Bring it to bring U.S. history into this. This is the reason why we switched from the Federalist Paper, yeah, the Federalist Papers to the, wait, the no, articles. Not, yeah, the articles. I misspoke. The Articles <laughs> of Confederation to the U.S. Constitution because there wasn't a strong executive from 1778-ish to 1888 when we made the we were. The United States was under the Articles of Confederation. 1788, not 
Yeah, oh, I have misspoke again. That's, uh, the dates are irrelevant to this. <laughs> the concept that matters. Like, yeah, it's the concept that matters. This happened at some time. We didn't have a strong military. We couldn't um, print our own money. There was no universal um, currency. Um, basically, like no ta- there was no taxation over the whole country. Um, so no individual state. I'm trying to think of how... This is from last semester. Basically, no individual state had... When something was happening in one state, like a crisis was happening in one state, no other state had the incentive to help yeah. or there were no right. means to do so. Mm-hmm. So they wanted a stronger federal government created in the Constitution where there was a military and you know power to tax and a president. So that way you could solve some of the collective action problems of states not wanting to cooperate. Yeah, and that kind of fits in with, like, the whole thing of, like, emissions today. Of, like, you're trying to lower your, like, mm-hmm. carbon emissions, or I'm not an expert in this at all, but basically no individual state has, like, the incentive to... Basically, other states are going to be, like, polluting the air, so one state is being like, oh, we're more, like, we'll be friend- we'll be environmentally friendly and cut our emissions. Well, it's like, oh, well, all the other states are doing it, so, like, you're just putting yourself at a disadvantage by shutting down, like, your factories or changing them, making using more... Ex- Expensive alternatives. That's kind of the point of a right. like. Which actually hasn't held. That actually hasn't held true though, for some things. Is it? I don't know. Like Just California, has like. Been developed really well and like done a lot of, added in a lot of legislature for their. <laughs> like, econ for their making themselves more environmentally friendly, but their economy has also gone like really up relative, mm. to other states around them. I don't know if you want to. So, what you guys have been saying is basically that in order to make our country truly um, better, you know, to make it, I don't know, maybe like to use an adjective, great, um, again, <laughs> it would. <laughs> With no particular. Yeah, just, just a r- random choice of an adjective. <laughs> it would require uh, an increased sort of collective effort on behalf of everyone involved. The things that sound like, you know, the things we're talking about, these things like um, we want things to be cheaper and like we like immigration is really bad because like they take jobs and things like that. These sound like these sound like things that are more relevant to the individual person rather than the overall well-being of the country. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, when you think of why prices are too high and why that's a bad thing, it's because we don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. in order to truly make, you know... When people are given the choice, they're always, like, at the end of the day, yeah. they're usually going to go with the cheapest alternative right. or the most, I don't know, like, selfish right. alternative. So, are we really in a in a time where we're trying to improve the well-being of each individual country or our own personal situation. Or even our own country compared to other countries. It's always us and ourselves versus yeah. everybody else. But I would, I would argue that it, it might even be that step further that it's about you, not even necessarily always how your country's doing. Like you were saying, Greg, like we say we want more jobs here, but does it really... Like, how, who does that actually impact the most and who do we care about it impacting the most ourselves or our country for the sake that we have 
more jobs. Like, what right. is it really about? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I think people are a lot more self-centered than than they pretend to be. Oh, definitely. Um, I think there's always this idea that you need to push your your agenda before all others. Another interesting thing, and I keep bringing back bringing this back to economics, but there's this guy, Adam Smith, who wrote this book called The Wealth of Nations right. in I, 1776. I read about <laughs> That's probably the only thing I would remember about the book that was also written in 1776. <laughs> which is we the same year as the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. No, right? Yeah, it was. So, um, read about an AP Euro. Yeah. So it's interesting because... That was in, about basically capitalism, right? Yeah, it was basically like the foundation of capitalism. Um, it's not like he invented capitalism, but like he basically talked about like he basically said that this is the way the world like would should run more efficiently um so one of the things in the wealth of the nation was this thing called the invisible hand theorem which is actually only mentioned once in the entire book like it's literally just like guy these people Classic. guided by an, an invisible hand it's so overblown mm-hmm. it's really funny um I mean, it's not really funny, but, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, I'm not going to get my kicks out of it, but, like, it's, it's still, it's interesting to think about. Um, so, basically, the Invisible Hand Theorem states that, like, people, like, individuals uh, will always strive to improve themselves first. Not, like, improve themselves, but, like, will always um, strive to, like, uh, what's, how am I trying to say this? Like, um... They'll try to themselves. advance their own, they'll try to advance their own well being before they'll put like their own interests personal first. Gain. Yeah, they'll mm. everyone will strive for their own personal gain and like in the aggregate of everyone doing this, it'll be beneficial for society. Right. So um, so I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing for us to promote our own agendas up to a certain point. Obviously there's certain agendas that we don't want to promote, like racism and like um, Stuff like that. I don't know. I can't really come up with any more examples, but um, mostly racism. Mostly racism. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to push our own agendas if it's going to end up benefiting the people as a collective. But is that collective your country? Um, that's a good question. Right. What that was collective? like what I'm saying. Yeah. It sounds like as we've gone through these issues that are supposed to be benefiting our country. Um, like, unless there's the a country versus the individual, it, it seems to be somewhat different. Whether we want the collective to succeed or ourselves, yeah. primarily. Unless there's some, unless people have the incentive to get the, the boost of self-esteem of helping their country. Yeah. But I don't know how universal that is. Or yeah. should we even be striving for that? Putting your, like, putting, even if... Your individual interests also help your country. Is that what we want? Just like putting our country up at the top and like not caring about what happens in every other country. I don't think <laughs> it's about not caring. I think it's just about because if we if I mean it's more realistic. Like how realistic is it to be like all right, every person should be concerned with like the well being of the world. Yeah. Like how how yeah how realistic is it be is it for like a random person in the United States to care about the well being of someone in Hungary? Most people are trying to instance. sustain themselves. Or maybe their family, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I was gonna say something. Not necessarily realistic, but maybe it should be something you strive for. You want to care about I know, people. But how are you gonna impose those morals on people? <laughs> That's why you have a government to like do stuff. So you want the government to impose stuff on? 
Yeah, that's the whole point of a government. But then people, if people vote in their own self-interest, then the government is not going to end up forcing you to help other people in other countries. In this case. In this case. In our present case, maybe more so. But yeah, but that's the general function of the government, regardless of what people are voting, to, like, not allow people to, like, purely, to make rules for people so they can't just purely, like, benefit themselves. Right. Is a government's... First no one's going to voluntarily give, like, a tenth of their paycheck to the government. The government has to tell them and force them to do that. Yeah. A government's for first duty is always supposed to be to his statesman, mm -hmm. right? So... Technically, yes, we should be concerned about yeah. the well-being of others, but it will always be the priority of the government to watch over its own people primarily, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we should probably care what's going on in the world, too. Well, obviously, oh, yeah. Too. The thing is, though, I think if you elevate your country to, like, the greatest heights, for instance, then you have a better ability, you have better abilities to, like, um, help out other nations who, like, actually, or other people in other nations who actually need your help. Like, if, if, That's true. if the U.S. wasn't at the top of the, of the global food chain, basically, um, it would be kind of hard for us to do things like, like the Peace Corps, for instance, uh, started by JFK, like in the, I guess it was in the 60s. Um, like, good program. Good program. It's like, and like that, it's really good because like it benefits developing countries in Africa and like I'm sure other places around the world. Um, I actually have a cousin who's in the Peace Corps. It's pretty, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But like, if the U.S. didn't have the resources that it had back in the '60s, um, then like that that wouldn't have happened. And the Peace Corps has benefited like probably millions, if not billions, of people, like through diffusion of knowledge. Um, so yeah. that's another that's another thing to think about. Because like, if we're mm -hmm. if we were like if we were smaller and trying to help people out, people would probably just laugh at us. You know? Or even, like, relief supplies at, like, natural disasters. We, like, yeah. drop stuff in. Yeah, exactly. Like, food supplies. It's definitely a good point. Yeah. Steven, do you have anything to say on all this? I'm kind of quiet over there. I, I was going through a lot. I don't, when you were talking about how um, if we didn't have the resources that we do have to help out other countries... We, then other countries wouldn't even look to us for help. I, <laughs> as, as silly as it sounds, it actually makes a lot of sense. I, I, I went back to Black Panther and Wakanda, okay. and that's kind of the attitude that everyone had towards them. Right, yeah. And they sort of, I guess... Wakanda, spoiler alert, by the way. This is a spoiler for people who hasn't seen Black Panther. That's not a spoiler. Well, we can we can turn we can it turn spoiler. it into a spoiler. Pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they say it in the trailer. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> if you're really worried, what kind of hide? If you're really worried, skip ahead two minutes. <laughs> yeah, but so when I people guess, realized what Wakanda was, they felt like they should have felt obligated to help out everyone. Yeah. And even the Wakanda Wakandian government, Wakandan, Wakandan. All right, we'll say Wakandan. The Wakandan government. And like, or I guess government, whatever, they all sort of had this country first concept and belief system up until the end of the movie. That is a spoiler, I guess. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like when he's at the UN. Remember he's at the UN at the end, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna help. We're gonna help <laughs> you out with your. At the end. <laughs> we're gonna help out uh, other countries." And the one guy is like, "Like, what can like a like a farm country like do to help out?" Everyone sort of chuckles and like they give like each other a knowing look and a nod and the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. You can only imagine. So, so like if the U.S. was like Wakanda, like 
if you, if the U.S. was the like US what what kind of looks like, then which um, it kind of is in a way. Yeah, yeah like, in if, a you, if, like one, said, if a country had to be Wakanda, it would probably be the U.S. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. mean like oh, I meant like if if what Wakanda looked like to the rest of the world, like you know how it's in hiding, so it looked yeah. So yeah. if the United States looked like that, then like we wouldn't be able to help people, mm-hmm. you know. Hmm. Right. But if we have the means to do so, even if it does sac- sacrifice our own interests, as be it an individual or a nation. Are we, ob- we? Yeah. are we obligated to do that? Yeah. I mean, that's this is question. it's a tough question to answer. I think yeah. that's the people struggle with this now. Like, as I don't know, people help. get annoyed if we don't help out, and then people get annoyed if we like help out help too much. Too much <laughs> and, like, all right, yeah. like, why are and you why like, are you policing the again, world? Again, it goes but back then, to everybody's yeah. standard is different. Just like the elasticity, yeah. Yeah. it's different for every person. Mm. Now that I think about it, I don't. The only again, it's a Marvel movie. It's a little unrealistic. I think the fact that they did so well being an isolation, or what is that word? An isolated country, yeah. I mean, an isolationist sort of mindset. I don't think that's very realistic because most of the time, any country... And not anymore, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, any country who wants to be isolated generally doesn't do as good as ones who connect yeah, with the rest of the countries. Your economy is to benefit by not being in isolation, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's, what's the hidden, um, like, government area, or, like... Country in the Socrates book or in the Candide book? Oh, El Dorado. El Dorado. It's like yeah. El Dorado. <laughs> it's a Disney movie, about which that. is also like <laughs> about Utopia. All yeah, it's like they're super isolated, but they have like all the riches in the world. Yeah, there's a. It's another thing, another economics thing. I'm gonna hit you guys with another really? one. <laughs> we all have our specialties. I'm <laughs> so there are these. We'll things take a little bit to unpack what we've accomplished at the end of this episode. <laughs> there are these things called uh, comparative advantage and absolute advantage in economics. So basically, and if you have an absolute advantage in, in something, that means so if you're a country, if you're in the United States, let's say the United States has an absolute advantage in producing. Um, let's just say computers. I know that's probably not true because it's probably somewhere like some other country. With child labor? Yeah. So so say, like, the United States has an absolute advantage in creating computers they have. Let's say they can create, like, this is obviously stupid, stupidly unrealistic, but, like, ten computers in an hour. Um, whereas, like, Mexico, for instance, can produce, like, like, two computers in an hour. And then let's say, like, the United States... Actually, I don't want to get too much... Let's just say there's no numbers involved. Because <laughs> then I'm going to have to actually do a little bit of math and I don't want to think... Think on my feet that much. It's not in Greg's benefit to do <laughs> math. <laughs> <laughs> not on my feet. I need some need some paper and some time. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so paper and time. So if the U.S. has a comparative advantage in and or an absolute advantage in cr- producing computers, that means they can produce the most amount of computers relative to another country in the least amount of time. However. If there if there are two goods if there if there's more than one good being produced, then that means um, in the country then that means one country will have a comparative advantage over another. Comparative advantage is how much how little of another product you're producing in order to produce it's like that a cost. one product. Yeah, it's like the cost of it's like if for instance the U.S. was producing ten computers an hour but was producing four T-shirts an hour, then the comparative advantage... No, they're... they're oper- oh, God, this is too much economics. Basically, it means that there are two countries have comparative advantages. One country will always have a comparative advantage in one thing over an, another country. Like, 
there's never a country doesn't have comparative advantage in in more than one product over another country. Basically, like if there's there's two products, so this probably is not making too much sense. But basically, what I'm saying is that if you're an isolation, uh, an isolate, is, isolated country. If you're an isolated country, and you're not trading with the rest of the world, then you're at a disadvantage because you're having to give up too much of a certain product in order to pr- produce another product. Mm. So if you trade, then you can pr- you can spend all your time producing one product and another country can produce can put all their time in pr- into producing another product that you're not as good at producing and then you can trade. Inevitably, people end up collectively producing all the goods that need to be made. Yes. So communism. We just everybody all under no, the same. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> We've, uh, we've, we've done a lot of stuff. What's our, I feel like we should <coughs> have compile this into like a, a grand thesis. Yeah, that's true. I agree as well. Yeah. I think there were a lot, we just supplied. I think it's there. remarkable what we just accomplished. <laughs> we did, we did, we talked about a lot of stuff. This might go down as one of the most important supply and demand episode yet. Except yeah. for the past like five if minutes. We're, when if we can possibly. When we're just boasting about how well we did. If, <laughs> that that, that is, was great. That is dependent on whether or not right now we can put our heads together and figure out one right. thesis. Right. Well, we, gentlemen, the, let's think a about. A lot of the things we talked about don't have answers yet. <laughs> let's, so. let's think about what this all started with. And that's obviously the most important thing. Italy. Yep. All right, Mike. Whoa. <laughs> okay. No, okay. <laughs> America first. Uh, uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, basically, we were just wondering what, how wide of a circle people's own self-interest yeah. is. So, in, a, in, a, in an increasingly globalized world, let's start off with that. This is our thesis. Oh. In an inc- <laughs> <laughs> Can this be like the description of the video? <laughs> in an increasingly global. Yeah. It's like an abstract. I, yeah. I can't wait. It makes to a lot of sense. Makes, I have so much good stuff to put into the description of this. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Keep on track. Say it again. Say it again, Greg. In an increasingly globalized world, then we have to the self-interest of an individual, or of a country, or of a country. Well, no, it's of the individual. Or the self. Well, is it though? This is well, no. This, I, this is the, the self point I made about earlier. It's basically when is the interest where of the is differ from the yeah? What interest. is the the individual's? Check it. Venn diagram. Self-interest. Of an individual, self-interest of a country. Where's the overlap? No, I don't think it's a Venn diagram. I think it's a bunch of concentric circles where it's your you, your family, your maybe your you could argue oh. maybe your state, your nation, your you could probably it's probably not concentric. There's probably other ones like your <laughs> culture, your race maybe. Damn. Um, and then maybe you could, if you're really very inspirational, you could say, oh, the so whole world is Where does world. one's so, allegiance lie? Yeah, where do your loyalties lie? I think our, I think our thesis to the should point. be more of a question rather than an answer. I don't think yeah. we have, I don't think what we've made life? any answers. If, yeah, yeah, hypothesis. I think this is, we've made this so broad that us five are definitely not in the position to come up with a definitive <laughs> thesis. But. but if we were to come up with a thesis in the form of a question, we could say, in an increasingly globalized world, um... <laughs> Do the self-interests of people tend to benefit the world, or their country, or this, or just themselves? We could say, as as society globalizes, are people's self-interests becoming more closely defined, as seen from you know, isolationist isolationism movements, or is it becoming more and more broad with people trying to help out other countries? Damn. I think that's probably a good 
note to end on. Yeah. Because I have. In, I, I want to somehow re- relate the whole Chipotle steel the, the situation to guacamole. <laughs> Wakanda. That kind of goes back to our willingness to pay for something. I guess it is related. The elasticity. Yeah. Do pe- yeah do pe- the elasticity of your, your country's products. Something that we could potentially benefit your country's Are own. you becoming drawn, mo- becoming more elasticized towards yourself or towards the, towards the, the world. world? Good question. Mm-hmm. As, as society globalizes. We will see how the Italians decide to answer that question. If the Italians, depending on the... The, the entire world hinges on these elections. Yes, not just Italy, man. All of Europe, answer our me, country. Answer me this. When this podcast drops, will the conclusion of the election be known? It should be... By, t- by Monday Yes, morning? but depending on how it goes, it will take a while to actually yeah. um, compromise and decide on what the government will look like. But yeah, the, It'll the be farther be along than we know. More will be known than what we know right now. In a few now. hours, yeah, the results will be out of the election. This audio is preserved in a time in history where we do not know the outcome. This is... This is true. Italian elections. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, I, think. I think that's a wrap because otherwise we're just going to keep talking about this. That everything. just reminded me that I have a barbecue chicken wrap <laughs> Frank grab and go in the fridge and I was going to eat it for lunch before coming here. <laughs> and now I just realized I didn't eat lunch today. Which is good because now I'll have a great dinner. And I saved myself some calories. <laughs> me and Alden actually grappled with whether or not to invite you guys to go to lunch with us today but we were like, they probably already ate we so ate best breakfast years. pretty late. We had yep. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> Did I you guys you have guys. breakfast at all? No. Okay. <laughs> so all right. we basically have the all same right. meal. Just We're ending this now because otherwise <laughs> there's no... no blah. Okay. Either way. Some combination of us will grace you with an episode next week while on spring break. We will be back... The week after spring break. I don't the know what the date is. is. Oh, the nine. 16th. Or basically, <clears throat> the Monday... Yeah, we have to immediately record when we get back from spring break. That's episode nine. Then we have the first week back from after spring break to prepare for episode ten, which is going to drop on March twenty something. Yes, twenty something. Twenty fifth. And get ready. Yeah. Are we on ten yet? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I live on ten. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a nice calm week. <laughs> yeah, just just don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Actually, enjoy spring do, break if you're on do spring a break. Stupid. Do th- something stupid, but just not be nice to people. Just yeah. be nice. All right, that's Alden, it. last words. We'll keep supplying if you keep demanding. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>